Good morning. How are you? Is everybody doing all right today? Did you like that song? Was that all right? New one? All right, yeah, we'll, we'll take some time. Okay, good. You must have really liked it. All right, we'll take some time. We'll get used to that one. We'll do it a few more times. All right, it's good. And uh, we are excited. We're excited when we get together on Sunday morning. It's an opportunity to tell God how much we love him and express our thankfulness and gratitude and joy for him. But it's also a time, I mean, we can do that anytime, right? So, uh, but it's a great opportunity when we come here together and we get to sing together. And, you know, I got to tell you, I'm up here, right, on stage usually, and I got these things in my ears. You might have noticed uh, they're like earbuds, you know, and that's got like stuff that's telling me what to do um, in it. Um, And uh, I can't always hear what's going on out here, but on the uh, first song today, when it broke down and everybody was singing together, I heard you over even the little earbuds in my ear. I love that. I love that. When we come together and we just let loose and enjoy the time that we have and don't worry about being judged by anybody, but just want to express our love and care for God. And that's incredible. And so I look forward to this every single Sunday, as I know you do. Given, I mean, given the fact, hey, it's the summer. Like, you could be a lot of places right now. And you could be at the beach. Some of you are second-guessing your decisions. I get it. But you're here, all right? You can't, don't go now. Like, don't get up now and go. But, but I'm glad that you're here, that you're worshiping with us. And um, through the summer, we uh, had the opportunity to hear from some of our elders, which is really, really awesome. We're getting ready for things to sort of go back into the swing for August and things to go back into the swing of normal. We thought it would be great to take a few weeks and talk about um, one of the most important things for us to understand as, the spirit, as uh, Christians, and that's how to uh, listen to and follow the Spirit. In fact, I think it's probably the most important thing for a Christian to know. Yet I also don't think it gets talked about nearly as much as it should be talked about. And so we need to learn how to listen to and follow the Spirit, understand what he does, who he is and what he does. And if you're new with us, you may notice I call him a he, and I will because he's a he. All right, He's a person of the Spirit, a member of the Trinity. He is fully God, and God is three persons in one. How exactly that works couldn't tell you because I'm not him, all right? But we know that that's what the, the Trinity is. One God, three persons, and the Spirit is one of those persons. So we will call him a he as we, as we discuss him. Last week, we talked about how the Spirit was the mark of God, that he is the witness of God, that he is the guarantee of God, that he is the seal of God which means that the Spirit confirms to us that we are saved. He's the one who seals us, which is a really important concept for us to understand as believers. So if you missed last week, I would encourage you to catch that one. You can go to YouTube or you can go to the website, watch it or listen to it. Um, But every believer, every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation receives the Spirit as the seal of God. And then he is the one who is our helper. He is the one who is our teacher. He is the one who is our comfort. He is the one who keeps us moving and shows us and tells us what to do and how to become more and more like Jesus. But maybe, maybe you've had the same struggle that I've had and that many other Christians have had. Or maybe you have the same question that, that I've had. And that, it's this. If when I got saved, the Spirit came to live, to dwell within me, If God is in me, then why do I keep messing up? (laughs) Why does he let me keep messing up? You ever thought that? I I remember one time, I was was, um, young, 
I was maybe middle school age or maybe a little bit younger, and um, there was a woman who was very, very dear to our family. Well, you call, I called her Grandma Alice. wasn't related to her, but I called her Grandma Alice. And uh, Grandma Alice would watch us a lot while my, my parents were working. So I spent a lot of time at Grandma Alice's house. And she was just a sweet woman, and I, I loved her so much. She was like family because we didn't have family living nearby, our, ours. And so um, she was so important to us. And one day, uh, she was pulling out of her condominium neighborhood, and a car came down the road, didn't see her, and just plowed into her, right? And she passed away. And that was, for me, the first person at that age, that was the first person that close to me who had died tragically like that. And I didn't know what to make of it. And I was, I remember specifically, it's like vivid, I can see myself sitting on my bed, in my bedroom, just sobbing, absolutely, like, messy cry. You know what I mean? Like snotty cry where you just, I had no control over anything, that, ugly cry. I had no control over anything that was coming out of my face. And so, and I was just losing it sitting on the bed. And my parents came in trying to figure out what was going on. And I remember saying this to them specifically. I said, if evil exists in the world and God is more powerful than evil, then why doesn't he just take it away? You ever ask that question? If evil exists and God is more powerful than evil, then what is he waiting for? (laughs) It's a difficult question to ask. And my dad and my mom and their wisdom sat with me and talked with me and talked through it. And this is the way the world is. And this is just people make decisions and God allows people to make decisions. And and that's part of his love for us. And anyway, so they talked me through it all. And finally, I got my head wrapped around it. But it's kind of the same idea or the same question as this. If, If God wants me to become holy and if he's given his spirit to live inside of me, then what's he waiting for? (laughs) Just do it right now, right? Why, why am I not changing instantly? Why, do I, why does it feel like I continue to struggle, I continue to mess up? What is he doing and why is he waiting? Well, there's a reason, I believe, that he's waiting. But this struggle that, that you and I have is nothing new. This is not something that we are unique to by any stretch of the imagination. I think every Christian who's ever lived has struggled with this exact same thing. Why do I continue to struggle? Why do I continue to have these temptations? Why do I continue to fail when I know what's right and I can't seem to do it? I think one of the best examples of this I've ever seen is, or in written form is from the Apostle Paul, who is arguably the greatest Christian or one of the greatest Christians who ever walked the face of the earth, one of, if not the most influential person other than Jesus. Paul, he's writing to the Romans and he's talking about the relationship of the law. How do they think about the law, all the old rules, and how to think about grace, this new reality that they live in? And he's talking about the law in Romans chapter 7, and he's talking about how how, uh, the law actually provoked him to sin. It actually provoked him to sin and highlighted his sin and showed him his sin. He thought, well, is the law bad? Well, no, the law's not bad because I wouldn't have known sin if the law hadn't told me what sin was. But the law isn't capable of saving me. And Paul finds himself in this struggle where he knows what's right, but he continues to do the things that he doesn't want to do. And so he says this. This is just a piece of it, and I like the way the New Living Translation says this. It's very conversationally, and so we're gonna, I'm going to read from that. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. So the trouble's not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. 
Let's see if you can relate to any of this as, we're, as Paul is talking here, by the way. All right, verse 15. I really don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do right, do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody else? I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. What Paul's saying is that the, there's this battle that's happening. This battle that's happening inside you, and a battle that's happening inside of me every single day between the flesh and the spirit. Between a human way of thinking and living and a godly spiritual way of thinking and living. And that battle is going to rage throughout our life. It's a fight for how effective we are going to be and how much we're going to do for God. It's a fight for how holy we're going to become and how much righteousness is going to come in our life. Last week, we talked about the Spirit as being the earnest of God, that He's the down payment of God, if you, if you think of it that way. That the, the sanctification or holiness making that He's doing in our life is a down payment of Pure holiness, which is coming later. The truth that he's teaching us now is a down payment of what the pure truth that is coming later, that he is in the process of doing this. And the process is necessary. The, as hard as it is, the process is necessary for us to struggle and to grow, to fall and to get back up so that we can learn so that, we can, so that we can see and learn and hear from him. And to do that in confidence. The very next thing that Paul says, yes, it's in chapter 8, if you're reading in your Bible, so it looks like it's separate, but Paul didn't write in chapters, remember? All right, so the very next thing that Paul says, he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore no con- now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I think what's important to see here is that Paul's desire is to walk in the Spirit, even, even though he fails sometimes and he walks in the flesh. But his desire is to walk in the Spirit. And, and if your desire is to walk in the Spirit and to hear from him and to listen to him and to follow him, then even when you fall down, even when you fail, you can know it's okay because Jesus Christ has already covered. His blood has already covered that sin. 
All right? We talked about confidence and, and security last week in the message in the Spirit being the seal of God. So we can walk in that security and in that confidence and know that if we're walking in the Spirit, there is no condemnation for us. Even when we fail, even when we fall, we get back up. See, there's a difference in our life between having the Spirit, which if you're a believer, you do, and following the Spirit and walking with Him. They're not the same thing. You can have the Spirit and not walk with Him. That's a choice. That's a choice that you make and I make. And there are a lot of Christians, I believe, that accept Christ as their Savior, receive the Spirit, and then they just ignore Him their entire life. Just continue to do things their own way. The Spirit, I, I think of it as th- this analogy. I think of a plumbing analogy. <laughs> Anybody who's dealt with plumbing, you know, you can, you can relate to this, I suppose. Uh, the Spirit, when you get saved, a house has like a well. Our house has a well, okay? There's a well, and there's a pump, and then it comes into the house, and there's a main valve, right? And then that goes to all the pipes and all the fixtures and everything that's going on in your house, right? When I accept Christ as my Savior, I receive the Spirit, and God turns on the well, and he turns on that main valve, and there's water in the pipes in the house. But in order for me to have access to the water, to use the water, for it to have value that it's there, I got to go turn on a faucet, right? I got to turn the knob on the spigot. I have to turn on the shower. I have to, whatever it is. I think it's the same way with the Spirit. When we accept Christ as our Savior, God gives us the Spirit. The water main is on. But it's up to me to turn on the faucet and to actually listen to him so that he is useful and productive and my helper and my coach and my teacher and my guide and my caretaker and all of those things that he wants to be in my life. i got to turn on the faucet. i got to turn on the tap. And that's a choice that I have to make. You have to make. And uh, he sometimes, the Spirit has sometimes been called the silent gentleman. Because if you want that water to stay in the pipes, he just stays in the pipes. He doesn't force his way into your life. He doesn't make you do anything. You know, this helps to answer that question. Why doesn't he just take over? Why doesn't he just take control? Why doesn't he just make me do what he wants me to do? It's because God gave me free will. He gave me free will before my salvation, and he gives me free will after salvation. So he's not forcing anything on me. It's up to me to choose him. And isn't that what real love is anyway? To choose when you have other options. And so we are to choose him. And in so doing, we express love and worship and honor to God. It's an act of worship just to to ask for the spirit, to listen to the spirit, to follow him. And we have to make that choice. And we choose to do it. Because of what he's done for us. We choose to walk a path of righteousness. Even though we're already forgiven for our sins, we choose to walk a path of righteousness because he's already declared us righteous. Because we know that eternal life is ours. And so out of appreciation, we walk with him. And when we start, we have to learn how to hear from him. We have to learn his voice. Because the spirit is the voice of God in our lives. We need to learn how to listen to him. And the more and more you do that, the more natural that becomes, the more and more the spirit takes the place of our flesh and sin. And some of you have been walking with the spirit for many, many years now, and you've listened to him over and over and over again and responded to him, and talking with him and hearing from him is just as natural as hearing your own inner voice in your head. 
And some of you may be new believers and you're trying to figure out how this even works and how you do this. It's a good question. How does he speak to us? This is another thing that, that I've always struggled with. Because I guess I'm a very, and maybe you are too, and I'm going to talk about myself more in this message, by the way, than I normally would. It's just because our experience with the Spirit is very personal. And so I struggled for a long time to understand what it even meant to listen to the Spirit because I don't know how to do it. I was always waiting for um, a physical voice, you know? Like, God, why don't, if you, want, if you have something that you want me to do, why don't you just tell out loud? Why don't you just tell me out loud? Why, why don't I hear your voice in my ears, you know? Or, or I look for a sign from God, something physical. And, and because that, to me, is, has always been more tangible. That's what I was always listening for. He's the voice of God. Why don't I hear him the way I hear you when, when you talk to me or, or whatever? Or I want a sign. I remember... Um, one time in particular, and it's taken me so long, so long to learn this. Um, and I'm not saying I have it right. I'm just learning. But I remember a time when um, I was a pastor, and I've told this story before. So those of you that have been around, you probably heard this story, but some of you might be new. So um, not new stories, just new friends. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> I, saw, I, saw that, I saw that last night on a, on a show. It was, it was no new jokes either. Yeah, just new, just new friends. But um, uh, I was I was working with a church, and we were thinking of moving um, to start a, a campus of that church, and we were trying to decide what to do. And I, it was such a big thing. I mean, we're talking about moving our family. It was such a big thing that I wanted something very definitive and clear from God on what I was supposed to do. And so we were thinking of moving to South Carolina. We were, uh, so we went down. We were staying in Myrtle Beach. And I was like, God, just give me a sign. Just talk to me. Tell me what you want me to do because I don't want to do this without something really clear from you because this is a big deal and I don't want to get it wrong. And I just want to hear from you, so give me a sign. So we were staying in a, a hotel, like, on the beach, and I was sitting on the, um, the terrace or the, the, the patio or whatever outside, and uh, I was, like, praying, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. I'm just expecting something. Something's got to come. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. And then I heard a helicopter. just off in the distance, and I thought, this is it. This is my son. You know, I don't know this hell. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is going to be it. This helicopter, it's going to have like a, one of those banners behind it. You know what I mean? Like at the beach, one of those banners behind it. It's going to say something like, thinking of moving? Do it. You know, it's just something really clear. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and then I see this helicopter come, you know, down the beach, and it goes, It was just a helicopter. That's it. That's all it was. Just some, just some tourists in that thing looking back at me. That's all it was. You know, I wonder what that weird guy was doing on his balcony, you know? And I was like, okay, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. And so I was like, okay, I know, I know what I need to do. I need to, I need to read scripture. I need to read scripture. And maybe he'll speak to me through, through the scripture. In this case, it was like, give me a really clear sign. And I was like, okay, where am I going to go? So I sat down in my little chair and, uh, and opened up the Bible, and I went to, uh, to where uh, God called Moses with the burning bush, you know, which is a little bit of, like, uh, uh, projection, I suppose, to go, to go to somewhere in Scripture where you know God told someone to go do something and then use that as your sign to go do something. That is 
probably dumb. But anyway, <laughs> it seemed smart at the time. And so, and so I sat down in my chair, and I opened up, and I was reading through it. And it gets to the point where Moses is at the, bu- the burning bush, and, um, and God says, take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy ground. Right? And I was like, okay, all right. So I just slipped off my flip-flops. <laughs> one at a time, (laughs) slipped him off and put my feet on the concrete. And I was like, all right, Lord, give me something. And nothing, nothing, nothing. Because that wasn't the way that God was going to speak to me in that situation. I was looking for, and, and Jess wasn't doing that. I don't think, um, because she's, she's further down the line than I am. But he spoke to us in a much more subtle way than that, but a much deeper way than that. There are times where God, I've, I've never had this experience, but I've had people tell me where they have felt like they have heard an audible voice from God. And that can happen. But it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often. And I can't think of a single time that it's ever happened to me. And it actually doesn't happen a whole lot in the Bible, by the way, also. If you, um, if you look through Scripture, you will find time and time again in the Old Testament and in the Gospels where God speaks clearly. There are times in the Old Testament where God speaks directly to people. Jesus, of course, is the voice of God in the Gospels, speaking directly to people. There's a place in the book of Acts when uh, Paul is being called to salvation where he is blinded and he says, who are you? And, it says, and Jesus says, it's Jesus whom you've been persecuting. He actually gets the voice of Jesus in that case. But all of those people are pre-spirit indwelling. Okay? The spirit did not indwell Moses or Abraham the way he does us. And the Spirit was not indwelling Saul, Paul, right? At that moment, he hadn't accepted Christ yet. And so God spoke to him with a voice. But after that, you look at the apostles go, you see, watch them do their ministry, and you don't see that. You don't see God speak to them in an audible voice because he doesn't need to because he's within them. And so what, and there, there's a really, I think a really kind of funny place where they're really, the, the early church is struggling with um, uh, what to do with the Gentile believers, whether they should accept them and whether they need to make them adhere to the old law. Like, do they need to get circumcised and eat the way that we eat and do all those kinds of things, right? And there's a big, you know, hubbub about that. Sorry about that, hubbub. Anyway, uh, there's a big to-do about that. And they're like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And there's a spot where, um, where they say, uh, Paul says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to lay on you any other burden. <laughs> it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It's just so natural, so, so conversational for them, so normal for them. So here's what we have to do. We have to learn how to hear the Spirit's voice. And... Not to get it mistaken, because the Spirit speaks spiritually. I know that may not be that helpful, but he he speaks. It's not physical. It's not emotional. It's spiritual. 
And we have to learn how to hear with spiritual ears, which takes time and takes practice and takes learning to discern his voice from the other voices that are around us. That was a huge revelation for me. And it's hard to describe because it's a, it is an intangible kind of voice. And I don't have the right words to describe it, but I'll, I'll throw a few out that maybe help put us in the ballpark. It's a, his voice is like a movement in our soul. It's like, it's like an urging in our heart. It's, I've, at times for me, it just feels like, like a push. And I say, what do you want me to do here? And he pushes me. And I know. And it's taken me years and years and years to be able to discern his voice the way I have, but I still have so much further to go. and so much better to get at this. Where we ask him, where he, he it's more than our conscience. And it's more than a feeling. But he's something like that, but something deeper than that. And I know I'm, I know I'm struggling to, to explain it from here because it's something that is so beyond our normal human experience. And this is why, this is why God doesn't just transform us all at once. He wants us to learn to listen with spiritual ears and to prepare for the spiritual reality that is coming for us. To learn how to discern his voice from the world and the voices around us. His voice always, always brings glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Always. It's one of the ways that we know that it's him. His voice always agrees with his word. It's one of the ways that we know that it's his voice. His voice always challenges us and moves us into greater holiness and Christ-likeness. There have been times in my life, and I just want to give examples so that this gets wheels turning for us. There have been times in my life where I felt like, where I've, I've been challenged to change something that I really didn't want to change. It's a conviction, right? The Holy Spirit is doing that. There are times where I haven't wanted to do something, and I felt this compulsion to do it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> He's like, go talk to that person. I'm like, I don't want to talk to that person. I'm an introvert. I don't like talking to people I don't know, right? But it's this compulsion, this drive, this movement, and that's the Spirit speaking to me. One of the ways that I've, I've learned to do this, or one of the areas um, where I do it regularly now, is um, when it comes to where I help and where I don't help. That's a really hard thing for us to figure out as Christians, like, when is my help helpful and when is my help not helpful, right? And, and that's really hard to work through. I'll give you the kind of the classic example, and this is something, this, this is one of the areas where I've learned this. Um, the classic question of the person by the side of the road who has the cardboard sign that says, please help, and it always says, God bless, right? Please help, God bless, right? They're out of work, don't have food. And it's always like, well, what do, you, what do you do? You know, do you help every single person you come across? Or do you help no one? Because some people are like, well, I'm not going to help them because they're just going to go spend it on whatever, you know? Okay, this is a great example of what we should do. Every single time that I see someone with a sign, it's habitual now. Every time I see someone with a sign, I pray and I say, do I help? 
I ask the Spirit. And then I feel an urging whether to do it or not, or a peace not to in some cases. And sometimes he tells me not to. And I keep driving, and I try not to make eye contact, you know. (laughs) And there are times where he says, help, and I do. And there are times where he says, help, and I don't. Because I'm a chicken or because I'm selfish. But these are the kinds of things that we need to ask him and learn how to listen to his voice, and it's something that happens by experience. And so if, if, if you feel like maybe in your entire life you've never heard from him because you've never asked him that way or listened in that way, then I want to encourage you to do it, to open yourself up to that. And a few places where you're going to hear from him really clearly. The most clear place that I ever hear from the Spirit is when I'm reading the Word of God. It's already his Word, <laughs> and he will never disagree with it. And so I'll be reading in Scripture, and suddenly the Spirit latches something onto my heart. A word, a phrase, a verse, an entire passage. He just grabs me with it, and it's like I can't let go of it. Fixate on it. And there's something there that he wants to teach me, something he wants to say. And so I dig into it and and open myself up to that and listen. And whatever it is, I have to go do (laughs) It's the most powerful place that God speaks to me because it's as clear as it gets. God also often uses other believers to speak to me. He will give a believer something to say to someone else, which will never contradict God's word, but will supplement, will apply. And there are times where people say something to you, and there's something about it that digs in deeper, sinks in deeper than other times. And so we need to be open to being on both sides of that equation. We're going to talk more next week about how the Spirit works through us. And then the other place that I often see the Spirit speak to me is just in, I don't know how to say it, in my soul. That compulsion, that push, that pull, whatever it may be. You know, for me, it's, it's something that I'm learning But also, I carry a little bit of regret. I know you shouldn't do that. But I think back through all the years where I was a believer, but I didn't know how to listen to him. And I think about how much I missed and why I missed it. And if you feel like you haven't heard from him clearly, maybe you feel like you've never experienced this before. It might be a wise or good question to ask why. Why you've never opened yourself up to him that way. One of the things, Jess and I, um, we, uh, we got a, a few days away. Uh, we were down at uh, Oak Island for a few days at the end of um, this past week. And um, so it was a little last hurrah before uh, school starts back and everything gets, gets crazy again. Um, and I was really frustrated. I was working on the message, and I'd written three messages by Thursday morning. And every time that, that I wrote, I would just get to a point where I would be totally frustrated. Like, oh, this isn't it. Oh, there's nothing. Like, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to keep going from this point. Just hit a dead end over and over and over. Kept hitting a dead end. Kept hitting a dead end. And, um, and uh, so I went out to the porch. I was so frustrated Thursday morning. Went out to the, to the porch 
And Jess was sitting out there reading. And I said, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do because I'm trying to get this thing organized. I'm trying to get this thing planned. And I just feel like I'm just getting frustrated at every single turn. And she said, maybe you're supposed to be. I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Let me think about that for a minute. And uh, uh, it just occurred to me that he wanted me to practice what I'm preaching this week, as he always does, and not to, not to plan it, <laughs> but just to say whatever he felt like needed to be said. So that's what I'm trying to do. Um, but so we were talking, and I was just trying to gather, um, gather ideas and uh, talking with Jess about, you know, what, what, why we wouldn't be hearing from him. What would be stopping us from hearing from him? And she said so plainly, and I, I think this is something that I need to hear and many of you need to hear, if not all of us need to hear. She said, I think the biggest reason people don't hear from the Spirit is because their life is too noisy. You know, it's like every minute of every day, there's something. And now, I mean, it's gotten worse than ever because, I mean, we sit there with our phones in front. I mean, we have, we have noise, ideas, teaching, art. It's, it's in front of us constantly. It's... it's whether it's, whether it's our phone or the TV's always on or the news is always on or we're, going to, we're constantly going to practice or we're working all the time or we've got family or friends around all the time, and we fill our lives so full of stuff, so full of noise, so full of messages, so full of all of this that it's not even any space to hear from him. And so if we want to hear from him, maybe the best thing that we could do is put it all away for a while. Stick your phone in a drawer. Turn the TV off. Go outside. It's hot, but it's nice. Find a spot in, it's hot. Find a spot in the shade. Put time aside. And I'm not talking about, I mean, I mean start with whatever you got to start with. I'm not talking about 10 minutes. Talking about like an hour. Could you take that much time? Could you go to bed a little earlier, wake up a, or wake up a little earlier or something? Get rid of some stuff, put some stuff away, put it down, turn it off, say no. Say no. So that you can say yes. So that you get enough space to sit and listen, to open up. God's word, and to read, and to say, Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me now. And listen without running a grocery list or a to-do list. Without, without boiling over the person who upset you. Without seething over a political reality in our world and take a minute to set the flesh aside, to take some dedicated time to set the world and the flesh aside and to say no to sin and distraction, 
and say yes to the Spirit and say, speak to me, please speak to me. And then listen, not with your ears, but with your soul, listen. And I have confidence in God. I have confidence based on his word. I have confidence based on experience that when I open myself up to him that way and I push everything else aside, he gives me a push every time. And sometimes it's unexpected. Sometimes I don't like it. But he gives me a push. He pulls me. He compels me. He challenges me. And in that moment, when I give the space and I listen and he speaks in that way, when you give him that time and you listen and he speaks in that way, do it. Do it. Is a fascinating place in Scripture in um, Luke chapter eleven. Jesus' disciples come to him and they say, "Would you please teach us to pray, the way that John taught his disciples to pray?" And then Jesus gives him the most famous prayer ever, <laughs> the Lord's Prayer: "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth." as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then elsewhere it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But it doesn't say that in Luke, okay? (laughs) All right, he made, anyway. What's really fascinating to me is not just that prayer, but Jesus' purpose in that prayer. Why did he tell them to pray that way? Why did he include the things he included? Well, he explains why, but often we just stop reading right there. But if you keep reading, Jesus says, if you were to go to a friend in the middle of the night and say, hey, I need, some, I need three loaves of bread because I just had company come in and I don't have enough food for them. Even if they initially say no, because it's the middle of the night and what in the world are you doing? Even if they say no... They will give you the bread because of your persistence. And then Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. Forever asks, it will be given. Whoever seeks will find, and whoever knocks, the door will be opened. What father, if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? If an earthly father, being sinful, knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more does your heavenly father, how much more would the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That comes right after the Lord's Prayer. What is the purpose of that prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, who our debtors who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Who does that for us? The Spirit does that for us. He's showing us how to ask for him. How to ask for his voice. 
Give him honor and glory. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Seek his kingdom above our kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who helps us to seek the kingdom? Who shows us what that's like? The Spirit does. Give us this day our daily bread, just what we need for today. Who provides for us? He does. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Who leads us in forgiveness? The Spirit. It's one of his most challenging jobs in our life, by the way. Showing us and teaching us how to forgive. One of the hardest things we do. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Who does that? The Spirit does that. So ask him for those things in that time that you set aside as you're reading his word, that his will would be done in your life and in in the world. That he would protect you from temptation, that he would teach you about grace and forgiveness. And then as you ask for those things, learn to hear and listen to his voice. Why doesn't God just totally transform us? Why is this something we have to learn and struggle through? It's because he loves us. Believe it or not, (laughs) it's because he loves us. And he wants to watch us choose him. Just like he gave us free will and whether we accept Jesus Christ or not. Because if he forced us, that wouldn't be love at all, would it? But he gave us free will so that we could choose Jesus. And when we choose Jesus and believe that he died on the cross for our sin and rose again on the third day, then we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, a choice that we make, a love that we've expressed because of the choice he made to send his son to die and rise again for us. And now, every single day when we wake up, we get to make the choice on whether we are going to express love to God by following and listening to the Spirit or whether we're going to turn our back on him and walk in our own way. It's love at the heart of it. His love for us and our love for him. And to know that he has grace for us when we fall. To give us confidence to know that we are his children and we are saved. And so we're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. We're learning. We're, we're, sometimes we're going to hear his voice clearly and do it. And sometimes we're going to hear his voice clearly and we're not going to do it. And sometimes we're going to hear something that we think is his voice, but it's not his voice. And we're going to follow that thing. Those things are going to happen. But there's always grace for us in his love. And so we can hold, walk with our head held high, looking forward to his kingdom that's coming and the joy that waits for us. And stand in his love in that way. But we got to open ourselves up and listen. And no matter how, where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you just accepted Christ, maybe you accepted him today and believed in him today and you're just getting started. Whether you accepted him 60 years ago, and you've been walking with him for a long time. That's part of the joy of life is getting to know him better and better and better. We're always doing it. We're always growing. We're always learning his voice and walking more closely. And the joy of being here together as a church is that we get to do it together here and help each other. And God will work through us and he will use us in powerful ways. We're gonna, like I said, we're going to talk next week about how he works through us. But today I just want to encourage you to open yourself up on an even more deep level to hear the voice of God. And maybe he'll speak to you even today in this service. Maybe you go home and take some time. But listen, listen. 
He is the voice of God, and he will speak to you. Let's just pray together. Father, we want you to know how much we love you. You, the fact that the fact that you even love us with as sinful as we are, that we as people turned our back on you. We don't deserve your forgiveness. We don't deserve the life of Jesus given on the cross for us. We could never deserve it. We could never earn it. So we thank you that we, you gave his life. Christ, you gave your life as a gracious and merciful gift that we, by faith in you, can be saved. That anyone here today can put their faith in Jesus Christ and be saved right now. To believe in his death and his resurrection. And that not only that, that God, you loved us enough to give us your spirit. That he would speak to us and walk with us and guide us and lead us. That he would use your word to teach us and lead us. That he would use other believers to teach us and lead us. And that you would speak directly to us. We thank you for that grace today, that gift. And you know we're learning, we're learning how to hear with spiritual ears to to hear in a different way than is natural for us. And so I pray, God, for all of everyone here, everyone a part of our church who is learning to hear on whatever level that means, wherever they are in their walk with you, their journey with you, however good or new they may be at this. And that through the Spirit right now, you would tell each of us what our step is. What's the next thing you want us to do so that we can hear more clearly from you? Might be moving something, changing something, saying no, saying yes, creating space. And then whatever you move in our spirit to do, give us now the focus to do it, the determination to follow through. to walk every day by choosing this, to walk every day in love, expressing our love for you and recognizing your love for us. That you chose us first. So we choose you now. And so all that happens in our life, we offer to you. As an act of worship, looking forward, hope for tomorrow, but also hope for today.